Greg and Dax love football, we know you do too. So grab a cold one and listen, escape with us for a few. And welcome to the Greg and Dax Fantasy Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Dax. Hi, everybody. Thank you uh, for joining us on this uh, very special edition of the Greg and Dax Fantasy Podcast. Um, so Dax and I, we actually just finished up a, a draft. Um, it's one of our more interesting leagues that we're in together. It's a, uh, a dynasty league, meaning it you know carries on from year to year. But it's a dynasty league that has contracts. And so as players' contracts expire, they go into a free agent pool. And then we have a grand old free agent auction where we spend uh, four hours uh, staring at uh, myfantasyleague.com uh, watching players get drafted. Um, so we just finished that. It was an auction draft, and I thought it would be great to uh, maybe get together here and, and talk about just you know how Dax and I approach auction drafts, how the draft went for us, what we're happy about, what we're not happy about, what surprised us, and we'll we'll see where it goes from there. Um, so so you know Dakota, I think you know maybe we want to talk initially here. Just you know what is our approach to auction drafts because. Auction drafts are very, very different than you know a standard you know snake draft or um, even a a, a normal uh, like a, a dynasty startup draft. Uh, auctions tend to be their own uh, animals here, and it tends to be a little bit different depending on which league you're in, all the different settings and things like that. Um, for me, maybe I'll go first. Is when I'm looking to prepare for an auction, I I kind of take a you know, a glance at what the universe of the available players are. So for instance, this one, it's our free agent auction. I, you know, grab a list of all those available free agents and I kind of go through it and I mark off certain players that I'm interested in. And I kind of get a initial list of players that way, um, kind of a watch list, if you will. And then once I have that kind of cold list, I go through it and I tear out that list and identify, you know, who do I view in that top tier, that number one tier, who goes in two, three, four, however many tiers I want. And why I do that is I want, as an auction's occurring, I want to understand where my other owners are valuing players. And that can help me determine on what I should be bidding. Um, You know, is this someone I need to go out and overbid on because they're the last player in a tier? Is it someone that I can pass on because I know there's, you know, four more wide receivers that I'd be happy to have. And so that's really kind of my preparation process is to look at that whole list of players, call it down to who I'm interested in, tear that out. And then I use that kind of as a guide as the auction occurs to determine, you know, who am I, who's worth going after. Um, and that's kind of my process. I don't know if you do something similar, Dax, or, or how you approach things. Well, so I, I agree and I do something similar around mm-hmm. tiering. Right. I don't do a ranking um, in the sense of like, of course, I you know have a preference to two players in a vacuum. Right. But in, in an auction, it's about value. And if you have them in a tier and feel like, you know, depending on where the auction goes, you can get one guy uh, you perceive to be at a value in the same tier as another guy. You're going to capitalize on that and that's going to help you build your team out. So. Now, that being said, that is not what happened in our <laughs> fucking draft today. That was not what happened at all. So, and the reason being, obviously, there's a caveat here. We all had our teams coming in. There uh, there was a huge, huge glut of top-tier running backs because they typically cost the most in an auction, right? And you sign these guys to a contract. It gets extended out. Their salaries go up. No one signs these huge contract guys to long-term deals because you just can't afford it. So they always end up getting back into the free agent pool sooner than later. In this case, uh, there was Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Run CMC, uh, Chris Carson, Joe Mixon, and, uh, and Saquon Barkley. And then after that, it was a disaster. Like James Robinson might have been the next best right. running back after that. Um, so... You see that often um, when in these type of leagues, in these contract auction leagues, what you don't see, uh, and which is, I think, standard in most auctions, is you get a a curve, right? You have a bell curve. And capitalizing around an auction on when that, and when I say bell curve, I mean there's typically a dip, 
right? It starts off low. There's a di- there's a dip or an inverse bell curve. But there's a dip and value, and then it goes up again because right. of scarcity. And that's and so, and that's mainly because initially, as an auction starts, people are scared to spend money. They don't really know what the value is of the players yet. So the first player up tends to go for less than their peers at the same position. Um, it takes a little while for the auction to get going. And then, as you said, what, if you get caught in that middle where players are going at their peak value, it can be a very tough place to operate in. You kind of got to catch it on either side of that that bell curve, as you said. Yeah. So, And what's interesting is, and here's a perfect example in our draft it happened. I paid $100 for Odell Beckham Jr. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> I, I needed to do that because I looked at it as though the gap in production, in the depth that I would have surrounded my team with, the trade value, I felt that it was okay to bid up on it. I thought there was a huge drop in value, whereas Greg going earlier and bidding earlier on Julio Jones ended up getting him for 94 Now, obviously... I think the perception is Julio Jones is more valuable than OBJ. I don't think there's anyone out there who would take OBJ before Julio Jones. But the the problem was when I bid and when he was up in the auction and based on my team, what I was looking at and what I needed to provide my team with for yeah. for depth. So and and I have great wide receiver depth, I have great tight end depth. I was really thin at running back, but at that point, all the running backs were so had already gone and were so expensive. I couldn't have afforded yeah. them. Anyway. No, I, I think that's a great point. And, and just, you know, for some context there. So, you know, uh, Dax referenced some prices, you know, hundred dollars for OBJ, 94 for Julio. Our, our league, our salary cap is actually pretty high. It's, it's around $870. So, so a hundred dollars on OBJ, that's about, you know, 11, almost 12% of, of what our salary cap is, what our budget is. Um, and just giving some context, we'll try to give that context as we call out prices because these prices can just seem ridiculous. Um, so I'll give that percentage context. But th- that's really interesting to see that you approach it the same way, Dax, because I know there's people out there that look at au- auctions and try to generate, you know, what is the price that this player should go for? And, you know, me personally, I don't, spend really any of my brain cells trying to look into a crystal ball to determine what my other league mates were going to bid on players. Um, I think it's a valuable exercise. If you want to kind of get a gauge for where you can find some, you know, hidden value. But at the end of the day, what's nice about an auction draft is it's its own little economy. And if someone is willing to pay, you know, 30% of their budget for Christian McCaffrey, that's what Christian McCaffrey's price is. And it doesn't matter what your calculations have determined or anything like that. You have to kind of operate within that economy. And that's why I approach it on a tier based and kind of just understand buckets of players so that as those prices get set, as that value gets set, I can understand on who might be um, undervalued, who might be overvalued based on, you know, what my league mates are, are bidding. Um, but in the, the spirit of giving some additional context is maybe what we'll do is we'll talk about, you know, we talked broadly how we prepare for an auction, you know, our teams, you know, Dax, your team coming into this and my team coming into this, we're in very different sides of the spectrum. So maybe we'll talk a little bit about our teams before the auction, kind of what we planned on doing once the auction started. And then we can talk about, you know, how it all ended up for us. Um, sound good. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So, I mean, I can go first here. My my team, I Your came team in was stacked, man. thin. <laughs> my my team was stacked, but thin at quarterback and thin at running back. Now, I'm very top heavy at running back, um, and quarterback is a single QB league, so I didn't really, honestly, I didn't give a fuck. You have Lamar Jackson right now, so you're just looking for a backup. And Lamar Jackson's my starter, right? And now that being said, I I naturally do have some concerns about injury. I do. He's a running, he's a dual threat. He runs way more than most quarterbacks in the league. Well, yes, he runs more than every right. quarterback in the league. Uh, so, th- and that opens him up to injuries. So I was fearful and I wanted to insulate him. So one, what I did was I got uh, Cam Newton and I felt that Cam Newton on a one-year deal for like pennies on the dollar. I really like well, that. B- before, um, before you get into kind of the results of the, did you want Cam Newton? I mean, like, so going in, you wanted a a backup, right? And and did you want a running quarterback? I mean, what were you going for? I wanted to, so when we talked right before mm-hmm. about tiers, what I also think about is value and what I'm willing to pay for value to your point before. And so what I really wanted to do was 
pay close to nothing for that backup quarterback and and not really give a shit punted as long as I could. That being said, what ended up happening was I didn't get to use my budget on any of the top tier running backs because I couldn't afford them. Um, I only had so many because my team at, to your point, I, I pretty much had a full roster of starters. I had, you know, two extra wide receivers that I would start and I can't use. I have TJ Hawkinson behind Darren Waller. I was in a very good, good you didn't need for that means is kind of what you're saying. No, no, I didn't. I didn't even need to take part in it. Um, to be honest, that being said, I would have really liked a running back because of simply just the injuries that accrue at the position. And so Um, your main objective there was just, you know, to spend your available cap to, to build depth. And, and as you said, kind of make sure you're insulated from any freak injuries or anything that can take one of your studs down. You've got someone to kind of fill in that next man up role. I wanted to really go heavy. Like I wanted to blow my load, so to speak on a top, one of the top tier running backs and then fill out the rest of my roster with yeah. guys for a dollar. Didn't happen because I simply couldn't afford it. None of the running. Uh, I mean, maybe I could have gone on Barkley, but I think I would have just ended up in a so, bidding war. He so, went but before we talk results, so let me, let me talk about kind of my, yeah. my kind of viewpoint going in with my team. And then we'll talk about the results. Cause I think, yeah, it was definitely interesting how the auction started unfolding for us. Um, so coming in, as I said, I was kind of the polar opposite. So my team was was relatively bare. I had uh, a couple of building blocks um, that are good. I've got you know Patrick Mahomes on my team. I have Nick Chubb on my team. But other than that, um, I, I had lost a bunch of players to, to free agents. Uh, and so I had like $700 in cap space. Uh, so you know, close to you know 80% of my cap was available available to me to spend on free agents. And that gives me an interesting problem because now I can look at that world of available free agents and start putting together, you know, what is my dream team? And I kind of like to do that as I go into an auction is if I come out of this auction, you know, what do I want my team to look like? And so for me, it was very much a focus on, I needed to bolster my running back position. I was after at least one, if not two of those top running backs that you just mentioned. I was after certainly some wide receiver help. I was pretty good defense. Uh, I needed a kicker, but, but for me, it was really, you know, I needed to build a team. Uh, I wasn't purely looking for depth. And so going in, uh, again, you and I probably different sides of the spectrum, but I actually think that we ended up in the similar position just based on how the action auction unfolded. Um, so I, I mean, let's get into that. You know, how did it unfold? Um, now you were talking about Saquon. So, you know, Saquon, I think he was the first running back that kind of went up to bid of the, the major, you know, five or six, right? Right. He yeah. was the first and He one went up. for about 20% of budget. So he went for 175 out of, again, about an $870 budget. And uh, at, at the time, I was out on Saquon. I didn't, I, I, I'm a little bit worried on some of the injury news. I'm a little bit worried on just the team that he has around him. So I, I was not in on bidding that. You know, what was your impression as Saquon comes off the board first for you know, close to 20% of the cap? I looked. So here's something interesting. And we're, we're going to talk about strategy for a second and what my strategy was. I paid very close attention to who was bidding and knowing that I'm in my win now window and I wanted to get into bidding wars with teams that I felt were competitive. So when Saquon went up, the individual who was bidding on him, uh, he, he had just lost Cam Akers. So my strategy was bid up and then get out because I agree with you. There are some question marks there. And I felt, and again, this was my misperception. I could have gotten value yeah. later. And so what ended up happening was he relatively, he went for a deal, but my strategy was there. I wanted to wait and I wanted to drive up the price or what I thought would be a reasonable price. I was wrong. And I wanted to make sure that Aaron, who had just lost Cam Akers, uh, who I don't think has one of the, I mean, he has a good team, but I didn't think he has one of the better teams. I think he's probably like in that mid five to seven range based on who uh, the other teams. I was like, you know what? I'm okay with him getting him as long as it's not one of the other major competitors. And even then they're going to have to blow away way more money at this point, which in some respect, I was right. Like Dalvin, CMC and Kamara yeah. all went for more. So yeah, no, that, that was my that's, strategy. That's helpful. And I mean, do you find yourself in auctions like, how do you toe that line between you know being a price enforcer? Because that's certainly an option that you have in an auction, right? If you have an idea of how much a player should go for or how much a player is worth, you can sit there all day and say, nope, I want you to pay more. I want you to pay more. But that also comes back to bite you because there's often times where you're, tr- you're thinking you're price enforcing and you're way off from what 
everyone else values the player at. And all of a sudden you're stuck with a player you potentially didn't want. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Cause I think it might've happened to you in this auction. Um, I, I yeah. definitely overpay. You're right. So, so on that enforcing point, I think now is actually a good time just yeah. to get into it since we're talking about enforcing, because this is very much the, that topic. I know we don't want to talk about That's results fine. just yet, but this is enforcing, right? So I, I went in again at this point in the draft, like let's talk about enforcing first. I think if I'm going to bid, I always have to be okay with the outcome. Like that's the way I look at it. Um, And it's not necessarily that that's just my strategy. I'm not an enforcer in the sense, like I'm just going to drive up the price. And if I get stuck with him at no point will I ever walk away saying, Oh fuck. Like I just don't want to be remorseful or regretful. Um, And I let other people do it because I know there are people and aggressive bidders out there. I know you're one who will just enforce because you're like, like you'll walk away with something you don't want um, because you bid too, too much. I'm not that like in the sense I'm okay with a guy, even though maybe I, my strategy wasn't to take him, but in the, in the back of my head, if I'm bidding on him, I'm okay having him on my roster at that price. Like it's not, I just have to pivot my strategy. And um, in this case, what have happened was you and I were in a bidding war on uh, OBJ. And I think Matthew W was too. I think it was the three of us. I could be wrong. I think it was the three of us. Well, I like Odell this year. I think, I, I, I think Odell's due for a bounce back. I yeah. don't. And, and so I think you knew that going in. So you knew I was hot on him and that probably drove you a little bit. Well, yes, I did know that you were hot on him. Um, I also, but it was also at the time, like Chase Edmonds went for roughly the same price as OBJ. And I, while I needed running back, I wasn't going to spend that money. I wasn't going to spend, like, I rather have on my roster OBJ than, James Robinson or Chase Edmonds. And relatively speaking, that's what I would have done with that money. And I knew looking, because they were still on the board, and that's exactly what I was saying. I was like, do I want the upside of OBJ and the possibility of flipping him and insulating myself from more injuries? Or do I want to take guys who I don't think are good and I don't want on my roster? That's uh, just because I needed to address a position. That's how I look. No, and and I, I think that's a safe way to price enforce, right? And And if I was giving a recommendation to someone who is maybe not super experienced in the auction format... That would be my recommendation is only press that bid button if you're okay winning that player. You know, that means you may see players come up and go for prices that you're like, man, that's a steal. Or they, it may be a player that comes up after you've already won a couple of wide receivers and you're like, man, I wish I could have had him at that price. But that's just how an auction goes sometimes. And, and it will avoid, as you have alluded to, situations I found myself in where you want a player that you have no interest in, but you said, oh, he's, he's going for a value here. I want to make sure that, you know, it, it's a fair price and everyone else shares the same opinion as you and no one wanted him, um, or at least no one wanted him at the price that you were trying to enforce. And so when, when Odell was going up, it was actually interesting. I think it was pretty close or, or sequential to some other wide receivers I had won. So as I mentioned, you know, going into the auction, my team was pretty bare. Um, so I had a couple of, you know, primarily role players like Kendrick Bourne on my team. I had Antonio Brown on my team, but I needed, I needed wide receivers. I needed someone I could rely on week in, week out to start. And so the wide receivers I picked up uh, before Odell went to bid, I picked up um, uh, Julio Jones, who you mentioned. Um, Julio, I actually had in that kind of top tier of wide receivers um, in, in this auction, um, kind of that tier one. And I view him as a, as a buy because of the value there. I think people are a little bit off of him. Um, based on him moving to a new team, based on some of the injury history, his age. Um, I, I, I feel that I totally, I'm not saying that those are not real concerns. I just think he's, he's Julio Jones. And until he shows me that he can't do a 1400 yard season, um, I'm going to respect him as a, as a top wide receiver in this league. So I wanted to buy in on that, on that dip. And I did. And then the other one I got as well was Amari Cooper. And Amari Cooper, um, I don't know how much we've talked about Amari Cooper as a player. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Amari Cooper's game just in general, but I am a fan of the Dallas Cowboys this year. And I would just wanted a piece of that right. offense. I think Dallas is going to be one of those offenses that are going to catapult fantasy teams into the stratosphere. I think Dallas, Cincinnati, and probably the Los Angeles Rams are the three teams that I'm looking at personally as just wanting to gather pieces of. And so Amari Cooper was that for me. And so I paid a, a little bit more for him, actually a little bit more than Julio uh, for Amari Cooper. And then then it was Odell up. And and if Odell had come up ahead of Amari, I probably would have kept bidding and, and gone up 
in that bidding war with you, but because he came up after I had two wide receivers, I thought I had some pretty good value on and I didn't want to overpay for Odell. And so when his price got to, uh, I think you wanted it about, you know, 12% of a budget. I said, uh, you know what? I'm good. And I left you holding the bag a little bit. I definitely over like where I had him, I would have probably paid about 20% less and been okay. Like I would have preferred that. Um, because I didn't value him the way you did. Like you clearly, you bid to a hundred, you would have won him at that. I'm sure and been fine, um, to round out your team. I didn't value him at that. I probably valued him at 80. So I did enforce that being said, I was like the extra $20 to keep this, to, to keep me in it and to keep perhaps have Greg win it. I was okay with that. Um, and it's also your team. I looked at your team and I was like, well, he has very good running backs. Like he, well, he has two yeah. great. We'll, we'll talk about running backs in a He's second. Probably that was the other looking, big thing I did. Yeah, and yeah, and again, going back to your team, like I looked at you as a competitor with all your cash, and I was like, I don't want him walking away with CMC, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, and OBJ, and rounding out because I was like, then he's going to round out a full great roster. And I didn't want that either. And I was like, I rather OBJ sitting on my bench in case Greg is right and he pops off, even though I don't think he will. I rather enforce that, keep him like defensively because I was in a luxurious position where I didn't need a starter. I didn't need any starters yeah. coming into this. No, I, and you know, I, I think, you know, personally, I think Odell is going to have a bounce back season. Um, the, Matt Harmon, who, who does reception perception, does a lot of, uh, deep looks into the all 22 film for wide receivers just to understand kind of where they're successful, what routes are successful, what what types of coverages do they perform best out against. And there's a hard swing from 2018 Odell, 2019 Odell to 2020 Odell, where Odell was doing much, much better against man coverage. And for Matt Harmon, he correlates that fairly strongly towards um, fantasy performance. And he says, the, the wide receivers that perform all against man, those are the ones you want in your lineups. And Odell is back up on that upswing back to where he was maybe in 2017, 2016. So those are all key, you know, kind of good signs I view for Odell going into this season. I would have liked him on my team. Um, I think you'll enjoy him on your team. Um, but he's definitely one of those where I just couldn't pay the price that he was going at. Let's talk about uh, a bit about the yeah. running back situation. Let's move to that. I don't want to talk about OBJ <laughs> anymore. Like maybe we'll work out a deal and you could have him because I don't want him. But um, I, I just, I, yeah, we've talked absolutely. about it. Let's talk about running back. Said, and the, the running back situation was it, crazy. It was, it was um, a lot of good free agents. I, I, I knew it though ahead of time. So before we went into this, I was already up against the, the cap. I didn't have too much money. I only had about $300 and I traded um, Mike Evans for Zeke with the thought that I would end up not being able to get any of the top running backs. And you're, pay- you're paying um, Zeke and quite I'd a rather bit too, pay- right? I'm paying him 193 so I'm paying him the exact same amount as Alvin Kamara. So um, in retrospect, I probably didn't have to do the deal, um, but I didn't want... The that being said, there were there was money. There was a lot of money left on the table. There were two guys right now with a lot of cap that didn't bid that I thought would have put more money towards the premier players or at least get one just to stash and then use a bunch of picks, build around them. That's what I anticipated. Yeah. Didn't happen. And and well, that's one of the reasons, you know, why, why I don't recommend kind of trying to forecast price, um, because it, as the auction gets going, you don't know what's going to happen. And and to your you know point. You could have gotten Elvin Kamara for essentially free. I say free because he's a free agent that you win in, in an auction versus having to give up an asset like Mike Evans for Ezekiel Elliott. Um, that being said, between those two players, I'd probably want Ezekiel Elliott. I think Ezekiel Elliott's due for the better season this year. Yeah, I agree with that. In my rankings, like again, they're loose. I mostly yeah. go off tiers, and obviously Kamara and Zeke, to me, I look at the same tier, but I, I really don't like that New Orleans offense, despite liking Kamara and thinking the receptions will insulate him from poor from poor play. Um, but I would rather have had Dalvin Cook. I would rather have had right. Christian McCaffrey. And for 30, the problem is, going into that, I saw other individuals with with more money. And you're right. I anticipated 
uh, incorrectly, in a sense. Uh, I'm happy I have Zeke. I prefer Zeke to Mike Evans. In a vacuum, I would take them. But ultimately, what I ended up doing was Alvin Kamara and uh, OBJ, or yeah, pretty much Alvin Kamara and Mike Evans for Zeke and OBJ. That's ultimately okay. what ended up happening um, for me. That's how it played out. Now, do I hate that? No, I, I don't. I don't hate that at all. Do I think I would have done it again? Probably not because I wouldn't have gone after OBJ. I probably would have gone after Amari. And if it was for me, Amari Cooper and Kamara, or excuse me, sorry, Zeke and uh, uh, Cooper or uh, Evans and Kamara, I would have gone with Evans and Kamara at that point. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that makes sense. And and so on, on those other running backs, so you you mentioned Kamara. He went for, you know, again, 193. It's about an $870 cap. So it's about 22% of cap. Um, the other key running backs that were up, you know, Dalvin Cook was out there, Christian McCaffrey was out there, Joe Mixon, Saquon Barkley, Chris Carson, and, and then it kind of the list goes on from there. I was very much in the market for a free agent running back. So I had Nick Chubb on my roster going in, and that was it. Didn't even have, you know, some roster fillers underneath Nick Chubb. It was just Nick, um, or Nicholas Jamal Chubb, as uh, Baker Mayfield calls him. Um, and so I, I went in and I, I took a big swing. I went right after Christian McCaffrey and I kind of made the decision that, you know, he, he was, you know, Saquon had gone off the board at 175. Christian McCaffrey was right after him. And I was like, you know what? I'm setting this bar. You know, I was, I had a ton of cap space and I was just willing to pay kind of what the market wanted me to pay for Christian McCaffrey. I wanted that RB1. And so I ended up paying, um, 220 for him, which is about 25% of the cap space, 25% of budget. And, uh, that's a lot. Um, that's, that's a lot to have on, on, you know, one player's plate, but I think, uh, Chris McCaffrey is the kind of player that you want to have, uh, that level of investment in. He's just going to drive that much scoring for your team. He can score in so many unique ways. Um, I think the offense is going to be really, you know, kind of flowing through him as it usually does. And I'm just I'm excited to kind of have him as you know the the main star on my on my roster right now. Um, additionally, you know Delvin uh, went shortly after that. Delvin actually went for a little bit more money than Christian McCaffrey, which I was maybe a little surprised to see, just based on some of the situations around Delvin right now. Um, and then uh, we we talked about Alvin, we talked about Saquon, uh, Joe Mixon went uh, for a, certainly less than than Christian McCaffrey, but right in the same uh, uh, realm as as Saquon Barkley. Um, what do you think about me getting Christian? Is that the running back that you would have picked out of the bunch or how how do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I would have. The problem was I knew you were going to too, and you (laughs) had a lot more money and a huge glaring hole there. And I, I knew going in that I was not going to outbid you on Christian if that's who you wanted. Um, it just simply wouldn't have happened because one, I didn't have the ponies Two, I'm, I was pretty good at running back going in. Um, whereas you, it was a greater need. And again, this is where my, sometimes I play myself, <laughs> so to speak. And I think overthink it and I, and I try and I think more highly of my competitors, not saying you didn't like you, I think actually had a great draft, but right. I think there was a lot of people who, you know, we have draft picks in this league. It is a lot like a dynasty. Yeah. Why the fuck aren't you bidding and spending money on one of these big guys and flipping them for a first or second yeah. uh, come playoff season? And to me, it makes it like you're not going to win. It's OK. Like, just take them. The rest of your team sucks. I guarantee it. Yeah, there's no harm in spending Get a free money, first you know? round pick. Get a free first second. I would easily pay a second um, in, in like if I could to get uh, like Dalvin and, flip, you know, send like Godwin and a second and OBJ for him. I would do that. I would absolutely do that. It makes no fucking sense to me. It, it's interesting. It's a way of roster building, right? And and certainly I don't want to spend too much time on this because I think it's unique to these types of leagues. But when you have leagues that have incoming rookies that are taken through a normal draft process and and you have free agents that are really driven by their market value, um, you you want to spend that money, especially if you're a rebuilding team, just like we see in real life to to get those draft picks and, and spin them out to the competitors um, and take on bad contracts and, and kind of embrace the tank, if you will. Now, um, d- just, you said something and that that's interesting, right? Yeah. So um, you're right. These are unique to us. These are unique in, in one respect. That being said, take that and apply that to any dynasty league. Yeah. You have an eight, you have a 27 year old 
running back who is being perceived to be elite. You're not going to be able to use him. If you have him on your team, it's time to flip him. Their running back shelf life is not that long. 26, 27, and you're not competing and you don't think you'll compete for the next two years? Flip them to yeah. a competitor. Get a first. Get a second Like in return. Get two first. Like Kamara would, in most dynasty leagues, would probably fetch two first easy right now. Um, and, and I think that offense is gross. I think he'll have a good year because of the receptions again. Like I, I'll say that, but I think the saints, I'm not touching any of the saints at this point, um, outside of Mark Quez Callaway, because I already have him <laughs> rostered. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise I wouldn't have brought him on. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. I like that is applicable. If you have aging running backs, if you have 26, 27 guys with mileage guys who are perceived to be elite, it's time to flip them. If you have Derrick Henry and that's it all flip them. It's over. It's okay. Hold the plug. You, you got to know when to hold them and when to fold them when it comes to these. And again, it, it's all a value play. You know, if if you have someone that is at peak value, and the value that the market puts on them is maybe higher than the value that you put them on, or or your team and the roster construction you have uh, puts on them, uh, cash in, man, and and get draft picks, get young players that can develop and and become again those those stars. Uh, that's the name of the game. Um, so, so this is all good. I, I think, you know, we talked about, you know, some of the, the key marquee running backs that came in. Um, we talked about me getting Christian McCaffrey, yourself getting Odell. Um, m- maybe l- let's talk about, you know, our entire kind of haul. Um, and let's talk about the, the players that we drafted, um, or won in the auction, and then maybe pick, you know, one or two out of there that you're, you're really happy to get. You think you've got good value or you're just really excited about the player. And then also maybe one that you're like, this was enforcing and I got stuck with them. Um, maybe I'll go first. Cause my roster had a, a few more free agents getting added to it. So um, I, I won Sam Darnold uh, from quarterback when it comes to uh, running back. I got Naheem Hines. I got Christian McCaffrey. I got Jamal Williams. I got Wayne Gallman and I got Xavier Jones. Um, and then wide receiver. Um, I got Keelan Cole, uh, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Devonte Parker, AJ Green, Albert Wilson. Uh, when it comes to tight end, I got Zach Ertz and Logan Thomas. Um, I got a kicker, uh, a rookie kicker from Cincinnati. But that was really who I got from this auction. And, and of that list, you know, clearly I'm excited about Christian McCaffrey. Clearly I'm excited about you know Julio and Amari. Um, but look, let's talk about AJ Green, man. Um, so AJ That's Green. Okay. That's okay. We can. We don't need to. <laughs> There's nothing to say. So AJ, AJ Green, that was a player that, you know, going into the auction, I targeted. And I'm going to target him for a couple of reasons. Um, one is I personally don't think his perceived value can get any lower than it is right now. Um, he's had a terrible few seasons that he's coming off of. He's just gotten moved from Cincinnati Bengals. Now he's on the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and so I was really looking at AJ Green as a sneaky way to get a starting wide receiver um, that may have, you know, not the same talent that he had, you know, five years ago, but he's on an exciting offense and I, it can't get worse, right? You know, it can't be worse than what he did last year. So I had all that kind of baked in and I was ready to steal him for, you know, a couple dollars in the auction. Um, when he went up to bid though, uh, it, it didn't necessarily happen that way. Um, so, uh, I, I was bidding against the league mate that I think had the same opinion of AJ Green and uh, was ready to spend some money on him. So it, it actually got a little higher than I personally felt comfortable. Um, but at that point, I was like, you know what? I had the cap space, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. So I, I quote unquote paid up for AJ Green, still got him for a pretty good value. But I, I just, I, as a wide receiver seven or wide receiver eight, pure depth on my team, I, I'm happy taking the gamble on AJ Green, knowing that I may not play him at all this year. But he could turn into something and, and could be a contributor on some of these deeper rosters that we have. Um, what do you think about AJ Green? And then maybe what do you think about my team? And if there's one player that you uh, that you liked in the auction? Um, I, I love that you went out and and got Christian McCaffrey. I know that's that like that's easy to say, right? Um, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh, he's number one. But what people don't understand is th- there was an extreme competition, and you could have easily packed it up and said, "Oh, I'll punt it and try to get someone else." You easily could have done that. Um, 
and been like, you know what, instead I'm going to walk away with, you know, Chris Carson and I'll wait on Chris Carson or I'll, and then get like Raheem Mostert and, you know, think about depth because you were really thin at running back. You, your starters, honestly, if you're playing your starters right now, you're probably only playing Chubb and Christian McCaffrey. Like, let's be honest, uh, based on those, those guys, maybe Naheem yeah. Hines gets a start, but um, I think that was fine. I think that was the right, that was the strategy I would have implored too. Uh, obviously I think the best, the best value was Julio. I think you got a good deal on him relative to what other wide receivers go for and went for. Um, that, especially in your window, you're trying to win now. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I think that AJ Green in particular was probably your worst pick. Uh, I think it was a waste because if you think about the, the cost, like you, you didn't get him cheap. Like he basically went for the same price as Naheem Hines, who I think is right. You paid the same, roughly speaking. I think Naheem, Naheem Hines, Hines went for a bit more. So, so th- that's a good point. So, just some of the players that went around the same value as AJ Green: um, Naheem Hines, Tyler Higby, Logan Thomas, Devontae Parker. Um, those I would are have all taken kind of every the one of them, every last one of them before AJ Green. I don't. I have zero AJ Green. I'll have zero AJ Green for the rest of his days. Uh, he's it, done. It may only be a couple days. Yeah, exactly. He's done. And it's, and it's, it's not, no, I don't mean to be disrespectful to him. Obviously he's had an amazing career. He was uh, an asset for a long time there. The problem is it's football is a violent, violent sport and it is not easy to stay healthy and it's not easy to get there. And you do and father time waits for no man. And uh, unfortunately it doesn't wait is narrative street, man. And if you Google AJ green right now and just start looking at those articles, Oh Baby, oh baby! Two hours ago, Sports Illustrated: AJ Green is off to an impressive start for the Arizona Cardinals. Four hours ago, from Revenge of the Birds, AJ Green and Kyler Murray connection shows early promise. Uh, ArizonaCardinals.com: Being number two might be number one thing AJ Green needed. The hype train's leaving the station on AJ Green here, so that's get aboard, man. <laughs> um, he so Christian Kirk. Is still there. He's faster. He's younger. He doesn't run better he's routes. Not There's no the question. Uh, I think I, I honestly, if I were Cliff Kingsbury, you'd be stupid to Im- not get him. But on what the do we field know about Cliff? He's stupid. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's fair. You make a good point there. Right? Yeah, you got you. me there. Um, so, but but that being said, I just even as a number two, there's no amount of. Let's put it to you like this. Who is the number two receiver there in Arizona last year? Uh, was it was it Christian Kirk? Was it Larry Fitzgerald? Pretty much, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. why do we think that there's enough op- let's say even opportunity there? They already passed a shit ton. It wasn't like they didn't pass it wasn't like they didn't pass at a league average. So we're yeah. gonna have to you're gonna have to expect him to get a majority of that target share because it's not like open opportunities just came right christian kirk is still there and despite that i'm not saying christian kirk is a great wide receiver he's not and i don't i don't want anyone to walk away here thinking that i'm saying that what i'm saying is he's going to be younger and fresher and probably be able to stay on the field more and if i were them i would be using aj green in situational ways to set him up to win get him on nickel corners in the red zone i think that's the way you can try to use aj green and use him as a real player as opposed to and a, and a football winner like get him to help you win football games yeah. as opposed to a huge opportunity share where he actually is a fantasy football value that is what i'm saying i and i i don't like i said i i don't want to you know dismiss any of those arguments because i all think they're valid and and like aj green could be absolutely nothing this year but i'm taking a gamble on the upside there i'm taking a gamble on you know you know fresh fresh new plays fresh new quarterback fresh new offense like who knows what'll happen i probably won't start aj green for the majority of this year but again i think he's very talented player it was a very talented player and i'll gamble on that again i think i I did probably pay too much for him but i kind of wanted him on my team um so, so that's helpful. I mean, and then maybe just like a regret, something that happened in the auction. Um, c- Cause that's something that happens from time to time. You kind of mentioned it. And when you kind of, you get priced out and you're really hot on a player, like you mentioned with Christian McCaffrey and you're like, oh, I don't know if I can pay this much. My gut instinct when that happens within an auction is to ignore it, honestly. Cause if it's, if it's a player 
that I believe in and that I view as kind of core to my roster construction, I am absolutely okay paying an extra couple of dollars or whatever it ends up being to make sure that that player is on my team. I'm not too concerned on making sure that it fits the right value or making sure that, oh, well, you know, this player went for this and now he's going for way more than that. If it's a player I want, I'm going to pay for him. And there are a couple of players that I backed off of, a couple of players that they came up and they got too expensive for me. And I said, you know what? I'm not interested in them. Um, one of those for me is Michael Thomas. Um, so uh, we're recording Michael Thomas. Uh, the news has come out. He, he's most likely not playing until probably the middle of this season, um, dealing with the same ankle injury he had last year. But because this is a dynasty league and it's a year over year league, um, I, I like Michael Thomas as a player. Uh, always have. And I am okay getting him at a value this year because of the injury. And then, you know, having him for a longer term and signing him to a two or three year contract and getting the value as those years come. And cause I think Michael Thomas will get back to full strength and he will be that same level of, of alpha wide receiver that we've seen from him. And so I regret not paying uh, kind of what the market was demanding around Michael Thomas. I thought he might've gone for cheaper than he ended up going. He actually ended up going for about the same amount of money as Julio Jones. Um, and then the other one that I uh, have regrets on too is Raheem Mostert. And so you mentioned him as well. So Raheem Mostert, he went for um, right around like $50, which for us is like 5% of, of the budget. And that's very, very inexpensive for a contributing running back. Um, and on my team, as we mentioned, I needed running backs. And so I had Raheem Mostert kind of start on my list as someone to pay attention to. And then when he came up, I thought he would go you know, as a value. And he wasn't, a lot of people were in on Raheem Mostert. And I said, you know what? I'm not interested in it. But now as I look at the running backs and how all the salaries have played out, he is kind of, he he's out there as one of those potential values. I could see Raheem Mostert delivering a lot of value at that salary. Um, so those on are the that two note, that I have, kind of have regrets on. On that note, would you go back and would you trade AJ Green and Logan Thomas because of the, they're literally the same cost as Raheem Mostert? I would. And and that's, that's, if I were, if I were looking at kind of doing this auction again, I think the one thing, one takeaway. So as I mentioned, I listed up all those players. I got a lot of players out of this free agent auction. I have a, I have a full roster coming out of it now. Um, I think I could have concentrated my money more and gotten more bang for my buck. Um, I got Christian McCaffrey. I got Julio Jones. I got Amari Cooper. I could have had one or two more absolute stars and then filled out the rest of my team with very, very low level kind of high upside contributors. And I think if I was doing it all over again, that probably would have been more of my approach, um, kind of the more traditional stars and scrubs. Um, how it actually played out is I got some of those stars and then I've got a lot of kind of mid-level contributors that could turn into something. You know, hopefully they will. Um, but I think I would have concentrated the wealth a little bit more. No, I agree. I know what you're saying. And I find myself doing that a lot. Um, especially here's, here's something that's interesting and in how I kind of view, uh, the, the, let's say one QB standard or one QB PPR half PPR first round. Who right. These are the guys that everyone's reaching on. And I, I think it's about done. I think they're at, this is honestly the last year for a lot of these guys, um, to be incredibly valuable just because of their age, their contract situation. I think that there's going to be a next swath second coming of big name running backs. Like we saw how fast Todd Gurley dropped off the face of the earth, Le'Veon Bell. It is what it is. It's okay. And I look at that and I think now this year in particular, as opposed to years past when I'm in a dynasty, I'm not leaning towards like I told you in our last one that I traded back to get wide receivers and not touch any of the first round running backs. Right. I'm, I'm okay with that. I think that was totally fine. And I will do that every time, yeah. every time this year and every draft I have, I think normally that's totally fine. That's the way to go. Get your great running back. But this year, like think about these guys, Dalvin cook, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott. This is probably like the last dance for at least two of those guys. Yeah, I, I, I think, and on a, like my my pick on those are is Delvin. I, I don't think Delvin's going to be. He's already kind of had some injury issues. He's very, very good, but I I just could see him hitting the 
the cliff sooner than later. Maybe not though, because his game isn't predicated on athleticism. He was a terrible athlete coming out of college. Um, but but that's the one I kind of pick as to be a little careful on. Um, all right, so let's talk about your team a little bit. Obviously, you didn't have it as many kind of free agents part of your uh, your your haul here. But you know, who'd you get? Who are you excited about getting? And and who's maybe someone you missed out on? So um, I got at quarterback. I needed backup quarterbacks um, because Lamar Jackson apparently doesn't believe COVID's a thing. Um, and so I ended up getting Cam Newton and Carson Wentz. Um, also two individuals who are probably going to get COVID at some point, uh, and, and just, may not play at all this year. It's true. That is very true. Cam Newton may not start. I think he is. I feel good about cam. Cam was surprisingly productive when he did play last year. Um, and I'm okay with having him as my backup. The other thing is Carson Wentz has a week eight matchup with the Tennessee Titans. And I really wanted that. And I felt that his value would be really depressed and they have him for two years there. So he will start. There is no question that Carson Wentz will start at some point in my eyes, just because of the money, the investment he's going to play there. Frank Reich loves him. That's going to happen. So he will be the starter at some point. Do I know when? No, but I don't need him until week eight as of me doing this uh, draft and Cam Newton. And I was like, if if, just for the, for the people out there, because I think you're pay- playing some chess when the rest of us are playing checkers. You know, why Why the focus on week eight? Uh, it's my bye week for Lamar. So there you go. There you go. So and, and I'm in a position where my week eight matchup is uh, someone who has a really competitive roster. So I'm thinking if I want that first week bye, I really need to be in good shape against the really good teams. Um, so that's why I went out and I, I got Carson Wentz. It's not that I particularly like him. I just know he'll be the starter. I know his value is depressed because of the injury. And at some point he will be healthy. And all I need is for him to get back in the next three months. And I feel good about that. I don't think that he'll be gone from all of August, September, you know, and October. So um, I could be wrong, but that's why I have Cam Newton. And QBs, there's still Andy Dalton out there. There's still free agent QBs I can get. So I'm not worried about that. I sell draft picks to help me clear cap. And that's what I was thinking. And I know I used a lot of my cap. Um, I think I have like $2 left, maybe not even, uh, but I'm not concerned about that. So that was my thinking about QB. I did go in with Cam Newton as a target. Uh, I got him really cheap, like $4, which is peanuts. Uh, and I, I do think the rushing floor will keep me involved because of the, how good the rest of my team is. You're not concerned at all just with Cam Newton being done. Like we just talked about running backs in that cliff and, and honestly watching Cam Newton last year, like at least throwing the ball, he, he's at that cliff, man. Like unless he, something was way, way wrong with him last year and he got healthy. But I just, uh, I, I view it as, I don't think Cam is going to be in the league after this year. So I think that I, I agree with you in one regard uh, that he did not look good last year. That being yeah. said, he also is um, he's only 32 and for QB, that's okay. Like that's not, he's not ancient for quarterback. And uh, it was also his first year in that system with really terrible playmakers, really bad. Like the running game was bad. The defense uh, wasn't as good to support them. They like he didn't have Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith and Kendrick Bourne. He had Jacoby Myers and Keel Harry. And I can't remember anyone else like Devin Ozzy Ozzy and yeah. like Dalton oh, Ryan Keith. Izzo or someone. Yeah. Yeah. He had no one. And James White again. Like, so I think, and that's the other perception I have. I was like, if he did that, if he put up 15 points a game with those guys, if he is healthy, he's got to do better than that. There's no way he's not going to do better than 15 points a game with, with the, pieces that they put in place for him this year. And I also think Belichick is trying to win as best he can. And as much as I like Mac Jones and I think Mac Jones is there, I don't think Mac Jones is going to get the keys to the castle uh, week one. Yeah. I think he might take over mid season. I, I, that I won't argue, but I don't think week one, he steps in and takes that job. And that, I, I don't need Cam Newton the whole year. I, I could see that. But like you said, if, if Mac does take over mid season, uh, that's week eight. 
you know, so, so it might be a little tough for you there, but I think you've gotten, um, Carson Wentz there and you have, you have some other, you know, potential options at quarterback too. There's even some that are still on the free agent kind of waiver wire because it is one QB. I was, yeah, I was willing to gamble on that and try to go swing for the fences as a backup. I'm fine with that. I like it. Um, and it was cheap. They all, they were both incredibly cheap. Um, the other thing I have is I went, I bid too much on Ty Johnson. I won't lie, but Ty Johnson. Talk to me about Ty Johnson. Was he a target for you? He was. Um, I do like Ty Johnson. I wanted pieces of that Jets backfield in case it in case it pops off, in case there is someone who takes over the lead back role. I'm not a Michael Carter uh, truther. Not that I think he's bad, or not that he's not as good as Ty Johnson. I, I don't. I don't think that at all. Um, but I do like Ty Johnson. I think his skill set is a bit different. I think that he already shown last year that he can have a big game if given the opportunity he had that big game against seattle um at the end of the season so i think that as long as he's competing and i felt like given my team i want a guy who's at least going to get 10 total touches and i felt given the backfield in the jets and the ambiguity i felt that that's in his realm of outcomes is to get 10 touches a game um i got jordan wilkins to insulate myself uh, a bit because i I think i I mean we all know how i feel about marlon mack i think he's toast i think that achilles injury is is really rough uh for anyone to come back and i got darrell williams at running back and i got darrell williams because i have ceh and i uh, overpaid a bit but i'm happy with that outcome i really want naheem hines from you but you 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 just were you had too much money you you bullied me exactly you bullied me um, no, that, I mean, that's really good. You know, I saw you bidding on Ty Johnson. I was kind of really curious to have this conversation because, you know, um, as a Detroit Lions fan, I got to see Ty Johnson, uh, when he was coming into the league and he, he he's got something, but it, it's not, I don't view him as anything special. Um, and, and I do view Michael Carter as having something special and that the news has come out of Jets training camp that Michael Carter's already taking reps with the number one offense. And so I'm probably much more on the hype train for Michael Carter RB1 than you are. But I, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Ty Johnson. I think uh, you probably got caught in a little bit of a bidding war trying to get him. But yeah, now you have him. Um, and then the other two, like you mentioned, Jordan Wilkins and Gerald Williams, that was just handcuffs for you, protecting some of the investments you've got. Jonathan yeah, Taylor and exactly. And I, I think Jordan will exactly. I think Jordan Wilkins is just going to be, he's going to be the backup if Jonathan Taylor goes down. I don't think it's going to be Marlon Mack. I think they'll try to make it Marlon Mack. I just don't think he's going to be the same running back a year removed from his uh, torn Achilles. Um, it's just, that's such a, a devastating injury. And um yeah, I just don't see it. So I tried to insulate myself at running back there again because I don't have depth. I have Zeke, CEH, Jonathan Taylor, and that's my those are my starters. And I don't have anything outside of that, so I'm trying to insulate myself a bit. Yeah. Wide receiver, I only did one. What mid draft? I <laughs> mid draft, I brought up off my taxi squad Jerry Judy and uh, and um, Marquez Callaway because I was like, I'm fucked. <laughs> I have there is nothing I'm getting in this draft, and yeah. uh, I need I need to know what I'm. Bidding. I, I, I did it mostly because I was like, I need to make sure I'm able to bring these guys up because my team is not winning any of these auctions. So yeah. um, I ended up overpaying for OBJ. It's fine. You're a believer. Hopefully we work a deal out later. Um, he's probably not going to start unless you were right. I just don't have the, I'm not going to start him over AJ Brown, Chris Godwin, CeeDee Lamb or DJ Moore. Would you start him over with Jerry Judy? Uh, depends on the game. Maybe. Uh, and I'm not going to, I mean, the, the, honestly, I probably wouldn't start him over TJ Hawkinson because I think TJ Hawkinson is going to be a fucking monster this year. Uh, my tight end, I paid, I definitely overpaid on Kyle Granson with the thoughts that he's a better prospect than, um, anyone they have there. Jack Doyle is fucking ancient. Yeah. Mo Alley Cox, for whatever reason, they just won't let that guy, like he hasn't been able to keep Jack Doyle off the field. And that concerns me. Uh, but Kyle Granson's getting a lot of love in training camp. And that was just more of like a hot name flyer. I just wanted to, I got caught up in a small bidding war with someone who like this guy, I saw his budget and he just kept going down and down dollar after dollar. I was like, Oh, I just want to get him out. So I overpaid on Kyle Granson. But, but you're right. There is a, there's a drumbeat there. Right. And, and that's, you know, Sigmund Bloom, you know, metaphor there where when there's consistent good news about a player or a prospect, or especially a rookie like, like Granson is, um, you got to pay attention to it. Cause oftentimes when there's that drumbeat or, you know, where there's smoke there, there's fire. And so, um, I think you're right. Especially if you compare them with uh, your, your investment in Carson Wentz, that could be something. 
Yeah, and in um, particular, I also thought just on the Kyle Granson note, like yeah, he he wasn't expensive, and that was the other thing. He really wasn't expensive. He only went like for one percent of my of my budget. So yeah. I'm okay with taking that flyer. And the the last time, and I wasn't going to get burned. The last time there was a tight end who I really wanted. And I didn't bid on him was George fucking Kittle. And I, I was like, I will never not get my guy again. And that's why I traded TJ Hawkinson for TJ Hawkinson. And that's why I just paid overpaid Kyle Granson because I'm not having George Kittle uh, happen to me again. No. And that, that goes to what I was saying earlier is, is oftentimes you, you, whether it's highlighted on your sheet, bolded, underlined, whatever you do to denote it. Sometimes you just have those players and you said, I don't care what the price is. I just want them on my team. I want to be rooting for them. So we'll see. Um, you get anyone else worth noting? No. Um, <laughs> I, I screwed up and I have, uh, uh, I, I bid out basically out bid myself on Indianapolis Colts defense. And now I have four starting defenses for like nice. $20, um, which I mean, I guess I don't hate. I, like, I'll definitely amongst the four of them always have a good matchup, which yeah. is nice. Um, and I was already looking at playoff schedules too. Again, that's me knowing I'll be in the playoffs. I'm not worried about a defense later. I know where my team sits. I have a great team, um, and even it's insulated from injuries. Honestly, even if I do lose some guys, I feel strongly that I'll still make the playoffs. Um, but. Uh, the defense is, I wasn't, I wasn't pleased. I had to drop $7 on the Colts defense when I needed backup running backs and could have used that money towards like a dart throw on, I don't know, uh, uh, more just use it. Like instead of Ty Johnson, use the extra $10 on Colts in Seattle and, you know, yeah, not bid on OBJ. And I walk away with Naheem Hines. Like I would have loved that, but yeah, it is what it is. No, that's good. I mean, uh, like I said, you, you had the benefit of having probably the strongest squad in the league coming into the draft, and I think you're you're probably towards the top. I mean, actually, let's do this live. So if I look at – for those that don't know, Fantasy Pros, fantasypros.com has uh, a tool. What do they call it? The playbook tool that allows you to pull in a league, and it does some cool things with projections to kind of do some power rankings. And so uh, the code, I don't know if you know. So if we base it off of the 2021 season – power rankings you're number two right now in the league and That's where bullshit. you where you're weak at is kicker um <laughs> oh okay <laughs> no it has uh uh has another uh a person at uh, uh first and it's mainly due to their their wide receiver depth but um i i think you know personally i think your team's probably the best in the league so uh, look forward to to hearing that on the podcast on how uh, either uh, Dakota just takes victory laps or uh, I get to make fun of him for screwing it all up. Um, so maybe what we'll do yeah. in, before we close out the the pod today is just talk about you know maybe a surprise you had in the draft. You know y- you didn't participate in in every single uh, you know auction that was there because of you know how strong your team was, um, but there were at least for me there were definitely some surprises. And, and the one I'll go off of first is, uh, Chris Carson, um, Chris Carson in this auction pretty much went for the same price as Saquon Barkley. And that's just wild to me, wild to me. And I think there, there definitely is hype around Chris Carson. Um, uh, there's, there's obviously a new offense in, in Seattle this year and looking at Chris Carson as being that bell cow type running back that things are going to flow through. And I think that could happen. But if you're telling me I can pick Saquon Barkley or Chris Carson, 10 out of 10 times I'm picking Saquon Barkley. Um, so that was probably you know one of the big surprises for me. Um, how about you? Yeah, I, I agree with that. That was shocking to see where he went. Um, I, I really wanted him and I was in that bidding war. I really thought if I got Chris Carson and locked him up, I would have been in fantastic shape. He just right. went. I did not think anyone would bid him to 170. I had anticipated like 140, 120, 140, somewhere fall between there and overpay. Because in my eyes, I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's over 10% of your budget. I just yeah. don't think Chris Carson's worth more than 10% of your budget. And I knew there would be a premium to pay. Unfortunately, I didn't know there would be that much of premium. And he or it's basically double. It wouldn't be for about 20% of the budget. Exactly. And I don't think Chris Carson is worth that. But the individual who, who won him really needed that. He needed running back far worse than I did if he wanted to compete this year. So that ended up happening. But I agree. I think it was Chris Carson. I'm so, I was shocked, shocked to see that he would go for that. 
Yeah. It, it, were there were there any like screaming values that you wish you could have got in on, and you just it just kind of work out whether you didn't have the cap or you just didn't have a roster space? Yeah, it ended up being um, your guy Xavier Jones. You sniped him. Oh, I really wanted him. I wanted the dart throw again. I needed backup running backs, and I and I wanted the dart throw. Unfortunately, I couldn't have. I, I couldn't pull it off. Um, that was one. Julio Jones, another guy you got. I thought was a good value. Um, I, I was really Geo. I really wanted Giovanni Bernard. I think that he's probably the best running back for what for what uh, Tom Brady wants. And he only went. He went for very cheap. He went for. You know, about five percent of budget. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. I was in on Geo, but he he went for probably double what I was comfortable paying for him. Um, so I I could see him, you know, totally leapfrogging Leonard Fournette, who looked terrible for all of last year except for the postseason. Um, and and Ronald Jones, there's some camp hype on Ronald Jones, but I I think Geo Bernard's going to be a better running back. So we'll see. Who do you think had the? Who do you think was the worst pick or worst value? Um, I don't know. It, that's tough, right? Cause it, we're all value and it's August 1st. Um, you know, Chris Carson's probably up there. I, I think he's certainly the, the person won him paid more than, than I'm comfortable spending on him. Um, if I look at it, I don't know, man. I mean, I think I'm just looking through, Oh, I'm also kind of looking at my watch players. I was like all these players I'm interested in. Cause I just have it filtered here. Um, let me pull up kind of the the auction one list. Do you have one at the top of your mind? Um, yeah, I probably would say Chris Carson as well. But if not him, I think Chase Edmonds going for ninety two dollars and Mark Andrews going for eighty four. Um, yeah, that that is r- terrible. That is terrible in my eyes. But this is this is the second auction where Chase Edmonds has gone for right around that. I think people are just very very high on Chase Edmonds. Um, which might be, you know, a topic for another podcast and, and our opinions on Chase Edmonds. Um, I, I I think he's a good player. I don't think he's, you know, surefire, you know, top 12 running back, top 15 running back, but that's what he's going for. No, I, I don't want any part of that Arizona offense outside of Kyler Murray and Nook um, because there really wasn't fantasy value there before. Why would that change? Like, I don't understand the perception of where things all of a sudden changed. Kenyon Drake had some weeks, but he also was inefficient. And I don't think that uh, the efficiency for Chase Edmonds, even if he is more efficient, is going to keep James Conner out of the end zone and 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 James Conner from stealing, you know, third and short and, and goal line work. And I think that's going to really hurt him. Yeah. No, I, I think so. I mean... For me, if I look at this list of auctions that that were won, you know, beyond the ones that you mentioned, I agree with you on Mark Andrews. I think he he went for a lot. Um, I think just because he was the, one of the premier tight ends left, uh, and people needed a tight end, and they had money to spend. Um, another contract that or a pr- auction price that is interesting to me is James Robinson. So James Robinson went for. Um, $60 in our auction, which is, I don't know, what is it? That's about 7% of our total cap, about 7% of the budget. Um, I, I, I'm i a fan of James Robinson. I think he's very, very good. I just think to, to pay him like he's a contributing running back, which is kind of what that price implies, or at least you know someone who's borderline a startable running back for you, I I don't know if that's going to be James Robinson. I want him as maybe my RB4, something like that on my team, someone I don't need to rely on because I don't know what you're going to have this year. Um, so that's one that stands out to me. Um, I don't know. What do you think about the price for James? Um, I think James Robinson went a little high. I think given, again, like what the other prices were, relatively speaking, he he could be a deal. Um yeah. I think ETN's the guy there. I don't think that's any question uh, in my mind. I think all the nonsense around how he's only going to be a gadget player. Like Travis ETN has been electric and great as a runner at every level in every year against every sort of competition. There is no one more blue chip than Travis ETN. And this is fucking nonsense that they think an undrafted free agent. Yes, he had a good year. They had nothing else to do though. There was no, he was the only offense like, and I know that perhaps it's the the argument is, but they knew it was going to be him. I'm like, so what? You want them to okay? Let them run the ball. Keep right. Keep like that's fine because they're not outscoring you doing that. Yeah. Um, 
It, it it's it's interesting. I I wish they didn't pick ATN because I I'm a fan of James Robinson. I want to root for the kid. I just think if you draft a running back in the first round, that's going to be the first one getting at bats um, or carries. We should not use another sports analogy. Let's talk about what it's actually called. Um, cool, man. Well, that's that's kind of the auction. You know, we've been talking for an hour, and you know, hopefully, it's it's interesting and entertaining to uh, the listeners because really. You know, what we wanted to provide with this is just some insight into our thinking around auctions. Obviously, you know, some insight into kind of the results, at least within our league. We tried to kind of give you the percentage values just so you can get an idea where people are valuing players. Um, If you have questions on auctions, you know, definitely feel free to reach out to us. You know, we've got, you know, the Twitter um, at Greg and Dax Pod. We've got the uh, the email, Greg and Dax Pod at gmail.com. We've got Instagram, Greg and Dax Pod. Um, you, you can find us. Um, so definitely send those auction questions in, or if you've got, you know, thoughts on our, you know, our halls from this free agent auction, uh, let us know. Um, Dax, anything else you want to touch on before we close off? No, no, no. Um, just plugging, uh, our email, which, you know, that's always important. And, uh, Greg and Dax pod at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate the time and Hey, good luck in the season, bud. Oh yeah, we'll see each other. And yeah, some some of those uh, Odell Beckham trades my way. We'll see if we can work <laughs> something out. That, uh, you that, may have to take on. Uh, I don't know who who am I going to saddle you with. I, I I don't know if you saw. I I, I uh, shot Scotty Miller and Josh Reynolds off my team. So sad to do it, but mm, they had to go. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll right, work. Take it easy, now. man. I'll talk see to you. Later. Bye. Bye. Greg and Dax love football, we know you do too, so grab a cold one and listen, escape with us for a few.